Good morning. Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers out there. You know, it was a little awkward. I was out in the lobby earlier, and as the men come in and they say Happy Mother's Day to you, and automatically my response is right back at them, Happy Mother's Day to you. And then it's like, oh, that doesn't really work, so it's a little bit awkward. And you know, Mother's Day is one of those days that can be both uh, full of love and happiness and joy, but also a day that can be a little bit painful as well, depending on your history, your story, your relationship with your mom or your kids, the longing of your heart, maybe unanswered prayers. And so I hope today, wherever you are in your life, to encourage you a little bit this morning. I was saw, I ran across some notes from kids to their moms this week, and I just want to share a couple with you this morning. Dear mom, Thank you for being a wonderful and caring mom and not making your meatloaf anymore. (laughs) My kids probably would have said that. Dear mom, I love you. You're doing a good job of not burping at my bus stop. Happy Mother's Day. Dear mom, happy Mother's Day. You're sweet as sugar, nice as a rose. You're helpful and kind. I'll always love you. But sometimes I think I don't. Lots of love, Naomi. Dear mom, thank you so much for being my mom. If I had a different mom, I would punch her in the face and go find you. Love, Brooke. (laughs) And I hope you did a little better job on that card you wrote to your mom. Um, We are in the middle of our Mood Swinger series. We've been looking at um, moods and how to overcome them, how to not allow the moods that we go through to rule in our lives, to control the way we live our life. And like Mark said, I want to speak in particular to the women this morning, because if you're like me, you probably think that that you're just kind of a slave to your moods, that you're... um, Mood is just a result of the fact that you are a woman, that you have hormones, that maybe it's a result of the fact that you're overworked or overtired or underappreciated. But guys, if you listen closely, I think you'll find that what we're talking about today is true for you too. Because believe it or not, you guys have hormones as well. And I have a sneaky suspicion that you struggle with your moods just like we do, even if you don't admit it. Have you ever had one of those moments in your life where you heard something or you read something and it was just kind of a life-changing moment in an instant? Everything changed for you? A number of years ago, I read a book by Dr. Chris Thurman. It's called The Lies We Believe. And it was just such a moment for me because for the first time, I understood that there were some things that I was thinking, some things that I was believing that weren't true. And they were wreaking havoc in my life. I bring this up today because I really believe that we need to recognize the lies that we believe and learn to replace it with the truth so that we can overcome the moods that come up in our life. It's the first step of getting control of your moods. So I want you to see a couple of things today that will help you recognize lies, learn to replace them with the truth, and find that victory in your life. The first thing I want you to see this morning is that we have an enemy. We have an enemy. And here's what you need to know about him. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. If you have your program today, you'll find some notes in there if you wanna fill in the blanks. But in John 10.10, Jesus said just that, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You have an enemy. He's not just a silly guy in a red suit with a pitchfork and horns, he's real. 
and he has targeted you. His whole goal is to destroy you. You need to be aware of that. He's not just passing time. He's purposeful, and he's out for your destruction. The second thing you need to know about your enemy is that he's a liar. The enemy is a liar. Jesus calls him the father of lies. John 8, speaking about the enemy, Jesus said, he has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. A lie is a falsehood that's told with the intention of deceiving and that's exactly what the enemy does. He whispers lies to you because he's trying to deceive you. So you have an enemy, his goal is your death and destruction, his weapon is the lie. The last thing you need to know about the enemy is that he's an accuser. In fact, he's the accuser, the Bible says. The Apostle John in Revelation 12.10 says that the enemy is the one accusing our brothers and sisters, the one accusing them day and night. He whispers lies to you, and most often they're in the form of accusations against you or against another person in your life, and he uses those lies, those accusations to twist your thinking, to sabotage your mood, and to bring destruction to your life. Author Sharon Jaynes wrote the book called Enough, and she says this, we must know who the real enemy is. Your enemy is not your mother who hurt you, your father who abused you, your ex-husband who abandoned you, your friend who betrayed you, your employer who belittled you, or your child who dishonored you. The real enemy is the deceiver, the father of lies, the accuser. And his goal is for us to live self-centered, miserable, lonely lives controlled by our moods. And he does a pretty good job of it, doesn't he? His chief objective is our utter destruction and his modus operandi is deceit. That's what he's here to do. Now you may be wondering, why? I mean, why is he targeting me? Why is he against me so much? Why does he hate me so much? Here's the thing. You were created in the image of God and you are dearly loved by God. And God is his arch enemy. So he wants nothing more to this, than to destroy that image in you. And that's what he's set out to do. Now that may not sound too encouraging here today. I said I wanted to encourage you. But here's the good news. You don't have to outmuscle the enemy or outsmart him. The only thing you have to do is out-truth him. And that's how you get free from his influence in your life. You out-truth him. The enemy's not the boss of you. No matter what lies he tells you, you don't have to believe them. You don't have to take them on and operate from that. The second thing I want you to see today is just that. We can overcome the enemy. We don't have to live enslaved to his lies and to our moods. Now, it won't be easy because the enemy's relentless. He's telling you these lies all day long, every day. But it is simple. We overcome the enemy by knowing the truth. We have to know the truth. The key to recognizing the lies that he's telling you is knowing the truth. We have to know the truth so when that lie comes along, when that, in, that uh, counterfeit comes along, something that's not authentically from God, you recognize it. You know, a person who's training to be a bank teller at a bank, they do all kinds of training for them so that they recognize counterfeit currency. And they don't teach them and show them what counterfeits look like because they're all different, right? Right? 
But what they do is they have a training that teaches them what real currency looks like, what authentic currency looks like. They study every detail, the colors, the markings, the feel of it, the smell of it even. And they know a real currency so well that when a counterfeit bill crosses to them, they recognize it immediately and they're able to throw it out. That's the same thing that we have to do with the lies the enemy tells us. We have to recognize them. We have to be so familiar with the truth that when the lie comes, it shows itself so easily. I read the other day of an easy way to recognize if a thought I have is a thought from God or a thought from the enemy. Simply attach in Jesus' name to the end of it, whatever that thought may be. I mean, think about it. For example, I am so stupid in Jesus' name. It's a lie, right? I mean, you see it immediately, don't you? Or, he is such an idiot in Jesus' name. It doesn't work, does it? But think about this. I really messed up, but I know God forgives me in Jesus' name. Now there's the truth, and you can see it. It's so easy to spot when you know the truth. We can be so accustomed to hearing the lies that we don't even recognize the chatter going on inside our brains. But the good news is we can be so accustomed to the truth that the lies fade away and they don't have power over us anymore. And here's the thing. God's truth is found in his word in the Bible. We have to know what it says. It's so important that we do. The more time we spend reading the Bible and meditating on God's word, the easier it's gonna become for us to recognize the lies of the enemy. You'll be so familiar with the truth that that counterfeit is glaring when you hear it. You'll easily see if it doesn't line up with scripture, what God says about you or your circumstances in life, and you'll know that it's a lie. You have to be in the scripture. You have to know what it says. Last year, I went to a flower arranging class with my mother. And it was a lot of fun, and I still really can't arrange flowers. But I did learn one really helpful hint, and it probably helped you today if somebody's given you flowers on Mother's Day. She said the best way to get your arrangement to last longer, which we all want, right, is to put fresh water in it every day. And that can get to be kind of awkward depending on the vase and the flowers that you have. And she said the easiest way to do it is simply hold the vase under the faucet, turn it on, and let the water run in it. And as the water continues to flow in and fill the vase and you let it continue, the dirty water rises up and empties out. And pretty soon, the vase is full of clean water. And I thought, that's great. (laughs) Whoever thought of that? And It's the easiest way to do it. It displaces the dirty water, and that's exactly what happens when we fill our minds with the truth of God. Eventually, there's so much truth as you bathe yourself in it and you bathe your thoughts in it every day, the dirty lies of the enemy are washed away. They can't help it. They can't stay because you're putting truth in there day after day after day after day, and the enemy loses his power over your mood and over your life. Psychiatrist Paul Meyer actually did a study on the effect of meditation on scripture and he concluded this. Daily meditation on scripture with personal application is the most effective means of obtaining personal joy, peace, and emotional maturity. Psychologist Jay Adams says it takes about six weeks of daily meditation for us to begin to see changes in our life. So we need to get started, right? 
It's so important that we do that. I wanna challenge you today. Whether you believe the Bible is God's word or not, maybe you think it's just a really nice book of good moral stories, I challenge you to begin to read some every day, to begin to meditate on the words that you find there and see if it doesn't begin to impact and change your life. We can't act differently than we think. Our thoughts dictate our moods. That's why it's so important that we fill our thoughts and our minds with truth. And then we have to apply that truth to our life. We have to, we overcome the enemy by knowing the truth and then we overcome the enemy by applying the truth. I want us to practice applying the truth this morning just so you can see how it's done. I want us to look at one lie in particular because I think it plagues all of us and it determines so many of our moods. It's the lie that says, I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough, I'm not talented enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not thin enough, whatever it is, I'm not enough. Authors John and Stacy Eldridge said that every little girl and every little boy is asking one fundamental question, do I have what it takes? Am I enough? And you know we're all just grown up little boys and girls, right? We're asking the same question. I spent a good portion of my life feeling like I wasn't enough. And my guess is you did too. Maybe you still feel that way. Most people I know do. It seems like we all come with the not enough chip implanted in us and then the experience of life just reinforces that for us. And I guarantee as long as you're trying to navigate your life based on this lie, your moods are gonna have power over you. It might sound something like this. I am so upset. I worked so hard on that project at work and my boss didn't even appreciate it. In fact, I know I'm not gonna get that raise and promotion this year, my coworker is. I am so angry. This happens every time. I'm just not enough. Do you hear it underneath? I mean, the mood is I'm angry and frustrated with my boss, with life, but the cause of it is the lie that says I'm not enough. Or maybe you hear it like this. I oversleep again and a voice whispers, what's wrong with you? I snap at Mark as he pours his cereal and a voice whispers, what's wrong with you? The house is a wreck, the laundry doesn't get done, I let down a friend, I don't finish a project, I'm late picking the kids up from school, we have takeout for the third time this week and I hear it again and again and again and again. What's wrong with you? And then I fall into bed at night with a big sigh, pull the covers up over my head, and I end the day saying to myself, I'm just not enough. There it is, the lie that's affected every part of my day. I'm not enough. God doesn't want you to live in that. When we fail, when we struggle, when we come against obstacles, for most of us, we immediately go there. I'm not enough. Somehow we think if we were adequate enough, these things wouldn't happen in our life, but you know what, that's just life. Stuff happens. It's not based on your adequacy, and you need to know that. If only we would be stronger, if only I was more patient, if only I would get better, all those thoughts that come into our minds. Or maybe you're the person that doesn't see it, blame yourself, but you blame everybody else. But I guarantee you, if you could peel back the layers of your psyche, Underneath it all is the same lie that's become so toxic that every time you feel it, you cast the blame on everybody else. God doesn't want that for us. Remember, it's a lie. 
Remember that quick test? I'm not enough in Jesus' name. That's a lie, right? It's from the enemy, the one who's targeted you for destruction. And when we believe we're not enough, it dictates everything in our life. We spend our whole lives trying to do more and be better so that we can feel like we're enough. I mean, we're all trying to live up to that Instagram-worthy life, right? You know that's not real, right? The lie says I'm not enough. I always fail. I never measure up. I'm not adequate. The enemy's bombarding you with it daily, constantly. And the truth is, if he can just get that one lie into your head and you believe it, he doesn't really have to do anything else. Everything else just kind of falls in place around it. And the enemy has just what he was shooting for, your destruction, the destruction of your life, destruction of your relationships. So what's the truth? Am I enough? Holly Girth shares this story in her book, You're Already Amazing. I want to read it to you real quick. Lord, I asked, why do women feel as if we're not enough? It seemed I heard a whisper in response, because they're not. For a moment, I thought I had some holy static happening. Excuse me, God, it sounded like you said we're not enough. Could you repeat that pretty please? Again, gently and firmly, you are not enough. But then I started thinking, perhaps my heart had dialed the wrong number and the enemy was on the line. But in that pause, God finished the sentence. You are not enough. In me, you are so much more. We are much more than pretty. We are wonderfully made. We are much more than likable. We are deeply loved. We are much more than okay. We are daughters of the king. I think the enemy tricks us into believing we're not enough because he knows if we discover the truth, we'll be unstoppable. God's word says, the truth says, there are two answers to that question. The first one is, we're not enough in any way. We're frail, we fail, we let one another down, we're human, none of us is perfect. Even on our best days, we mess up. Romans 3.23 says, everyone has sinned, everyone falls short of the beauty of God's plan. That's God's truth, but there's more. The second half of the answer is yes, We are enough. And here's why. Colossians 1.27 simply says, and this is the secret, Christ lives in you. He lives in you because of that, because of what God has done for us, because of Christ's death on the cross, because when you committed your life to him and asked him to be your savior and your boss, he came in to live inside of you, and he is enough. We are so much more than enough. As long as we believe the lie that we're not, we also think we have to make up for it. Instead of running to Jesus, we run to everything else, to self-improvement, to trying harder, exhausting ourselves every day. But God's way is better. He says you need to apply my truth to your life. Recognize my truth. And when I recognize that my value and my worth don't depend on me, but on the fact that Christ lives in me, Everything changes. All those places where I feel not enough, he fills it up with who he is. I become a channel of his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All those things the Bible calls the fruit of the spirit. And when the spirit lives in you, that's what he produces. That's what he wants to do. Think back to your hardest moment this week. How would it have been different 
if you had remembered the truth that Christ lives in you, that he was producing all those things in you, when you thought you didn't have one ounce left of patience with the kids, would have been different, right? Everything changes when we recognize that. 2 Peter 1.3 says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. In Christ, we have everything we need. We, have, we are all we need to be. We are rescued from ourselves and from that what's wrong with me question. Instead of asking that, we can start asking who's within me because the answer is an infinite God who's all powerful, who can't be diminished. He's always enough. He flung the stars into space. He hears your every prayer. He directs your every step. He offers a fullness to your life if you would just remember and recognize it. Yes, we grieve, yes, we feel lost, yes, we let people go, less we let people down, but in all of this, we're not diminished, we're still enough because God can't be diminished and he lives inside of us. When I bathe my thoughts and my life in that truth, the lie fades, it fades away. It doesn't have power over me anymore, it doesn't dictate my moods anymore. Do you remember the story of Moses? God chose him to lead Israel out of captivity and Moses didn't feel like he was enough. He argued with God that point. Have you ever done that, argued with God? I have. And he really thought he had him when he said, but God, who am I gonna say sent me? I mean, they can't see you. What if they don't follow me? And do you remember God's reply? He said, tell them that I am sent you. I am. God gave us his name. And Israel listened and they followed. And God is still the same, he hasn't changed, he's still the great I am. I want you to think of that for a minute. Every time you think to yourself, I am not enough, God says, I am. I'm not smart enough, I am. I'm not strong enough, I am. I'm not patient enough, I am. I'm not kind enough. I am. I'm not brave enough, I am. I'm not secure enough, I am. I'm not, whatever it is, fill in the blank. What is it for you? The lie that the enemy tells you, God says, I am. I meet every need you have. When you feel like you're enough, God said, when you feel like you're not enough, God says, he is. He's there to meet every need. He fills in the gaps, those blank spaces we have. When we aren't enough, God's there, and he is enough. Once we take hold of that, everything changes. We're no longer pressured to live up to some imaginary ideal. The truth sets us free. Philippians 3.3, the Apostle Paul said this, we serve God by the power of his spirit. We boast about what Christ Jesus has done. We don't put our trust in who we are or what we can do. In other words, he didn't think he was good enough because of any talent or ability he had but his confidence came in who he was, a child of God, and what he had, God's spirit living inside him. When we apply that truth to our life, we begin to find victory over our moods. I want you to close your eyes with me just for a minute this morning. I want you to block everybody else out. It's just you and God here today.
and I want you to hear his truth about you. The truth says you are a child of God. The Bible says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. The truth says you have been redeemed and forgiven. The Bible says, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. The truth says you are free from condemnation. The Bible says, so there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. The truth is you have been given a spirit of power, love, and self-control. The Bible says, for God did not give us a spirit of fearfulness, but of power and love and a sound mind. The truth is when you are weak, he is strong in you. The Bible says my grace is all you need, my power works best in weakness. The truth is God is still working in you. The Bible says I am sure that God who began the good work in you will keep on working in you until the day Jesus Christ comes again. The truth is, you are complete in Christ. You are enough. The Bible says, because you belong to Christ, you are complete, having everything you need. Lord, I thank you today that because of you, because of what you did on the cross, because your spirit is alive in us when we ask you to be our savior, that we are enough, that we are complete. I thank you that you have all power over the enemy to dispel the lies that he whispers into our minds, the ways he tries to deceive us. And God, I pray for every person in this room today that you would bathe them in your truth, that you would call out to them this week to spend time in your word, getting to know what your truth says. And as they do, as you fill them up with that truth, that the lies would dispel, that they would find victory and joy and peace and happiness in their life. And God, I thank you for what you're gonna do for every one of us. I thank you that you love us enough to fill us and meet us where we are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.